We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound. So you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving. talking about Greg Zerline sends the Rams to the Super Bowl LA will play for the Lombardi welcome to Rams talk radio this is Derek C. Apollo Michael Stewart here for our early week edition of Rams Talk Radio. we got a great show planned for you today, but before we do happen to get into it, want to check in with Mike. Mike, how's your week been? Week's been really good. Really good. Real busy, but good. Now, busy, well, because you're getting, you're getting started for spring camp, aren't you? Getting ready for spring camp, but we got to get the coaches right, get them right in their mind, get them ready to lead these kids, and so we're getting it ready. And so how does it feel, though, being a head coach of a football team now? It's busy. It, it's it's awesome in all its ways, uh, but it's also busy in the sense of, you know, trying to give these coaches and young men the direction and answers to questions, especially when change is happening. And, man, that's got to be some major change taking over a program like Bakersfield and all of a sudden now the man here, Michael Stewart, a former pro here, steps in as alma mater, it has to be special for you. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. A lot of love from uh, former classmates, alumni, older and younger. So everybody's just ready to go, raring to go. And so a lot of support we're going to have to carry through this uh, spring, summer, and then dial it up when the season starts. 
Now, how's the feeling overall? They feel that next season is going to be a big change for them, you know, in terms of improving on the field and and setting forth a totally different vibe, or what? Well, it's uh, you know, they've they've been winning uh for the last number of years. Uh, the coach has been there fourteen, won a state championship, uh, five section title, uh, probably ten conference titles, if you will, uh, as far as league wide. So they've 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 been winning. They went to third round of the playoffs last year, uh, lost in the third round. So uh, it's not so much throwing out the baby with the bathwater, but it's changing the bathwater. So we're going to be doing some things a little bit more uh, in the passing game than they have in the past. So that's where it's probably going to be the biggest learning curve because most of our linemen have just really been run blocking. They got to do it, man. They this isn't just a, it isn't this is not Nebraska triple option football anymore. <laughs> well, that's what they were running a lot of the the veer, and so uh, they won the actual state here in back in thirteen and didn't throw one pass out of ninety snaps. Yeah, I don't know how they did that? <laughs> yeah, I don't either. But <laughs> no, I talked to a lot of the town on that team, and I mean the coaching on that team, but. In today's world, you have to be able to throw the ball some. Oh, absolutely! And and the thing that uh, we have, we we cover, we have a number of skill guys. So my thinking is simple. You know, we don't make it too difficult. But if you have skill guys, just get the ball to them and let them go to work. So that's going to be our goal to just be efficient enough to get the ball out in different places and let these guys go to work, have some fun. Well. I'm congrats, man. Again, this is a this is a big step for you and big step for your family and a big step for that program. So, congrats. Good luck. Oh yeah, appreciate it. We're gonna have a lot of fun. <laughs> All right, folks. We do remind you that we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker. We're everywhere, really. You can also find our podcast listed with Clutch Points. They have an awesome app that puts loads of NBA and NFL information at your fingertips. Check them out, ClutchPoints.com, or download the app. Also. Don't forget that we have a contest back underway, and we'd love to get your feedback with an iTunes review. Once we get to five, uh, sorry, 200 five-star reviews, one lucky winner will get a $75 gift stick to NFLshop.com. This is how it works. Head over to iTunes, leave a five-star review, send us an email at ramstalk1945 just with a copy of your entry so we know who to reward. We'll also read your feedback on the show. So hopefully it's good feedback. If you say we're horrible, then I'm not going to like that. Anyways, don't forget our other shows on the network, Rams Uncensored, and they mean every word they say there. Can't say it enough. They are a radar podcast. Butting Heads and soon Norm Hightower's film show. That's going to be, you know, something special just for him. Okay, so the challenge was put down here this week. Mike, a mock draft. A mock draft here with Rams Talk Radio between... Uh, our show tonight, uh, when the, the Wednesday, Thursday show, next Sunday, so on and so forth. And we are going to draft this baby out. Hopefully, by the time we get down to 31, we have a pretty good idea of what the Rams are going to do. So, in order for us to do this fairly, I think we need to flip a coin here. I have a coin in my hand. I wish we had video, but I'm sure you'll, you can trust me on this, all right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And whoever takes, whoever calls it, where I can choose to pick first, choose second, we have one rule for this mock draft, folks. We are not going to do trades in this mock draft. 
I, I understand that we'll be trading the first round, but we have no idea who's going to trade him for what, and we're only going to do a mock draft the first round anyways, so it's kind of pointless. We're going to try and slot players where there are fits and, well, see where they fall. You ready for this? Ready. Okay, so it's going up in the air, folks. I'll even leave the audio on so you can hear the coin dropping here. <laughs> Maybe you'll hear it. Mike, call it in the air. Ready? Heads. It is heads. Okay, you can take the first pick or defer, and I take the first pick. I'm going to defer. You are – oh, jeez, you're just <laughs> – you want to see what I do. So I'm on the clock here with the Arizona Cardinals. And with the Arizona Cardinals, I – you know, I'm between two things. The, the There is a ton of defensive talent in this draft, okay? A ton of defensive talent for the Arizona Cardinals. But on defense, they are more set than offense. Receivers are getting older. Running back is David Johnson, one of the best when he's healthy. They need an off- they need offensive line help, but where they are in the draft, I wonder. Apparently, Cliff Kingsbury is not real big on Josh Rosen. He's out there being shot for a trade. So what we're hearing over and over again is Kyler Murray. So to me, though, if I am the Cardinals, I'm choosing between Kyler Murray, the quarterback, even though there are some doubts with height and so on and so forth, only one real season under center, and Joey Bosa from Ohio State, those are my choices. Your defensive end, your pass rusher. You need to be in the NFC West with Russell Wilson and Jared Goff. You have to be able to pass the rush the passer. So you ready? I'm gonna make my pick. I'm ready. All right. So I am going to take with the first pick. Oh man, I am going to take Oklahoma quarterback Kyler Murray. I think he's a better fit for what the Cardinals want to do. I'm not saying he's the best quarterback in the draft. I'm not saying that uh, he's the number one pick overall for quarterbacks in the draft. I actually think Haskins is a better option. But for what they want to do, I think it's the right call for the Cardinals. Plus, the Cardinals will, be, will have their pick of other pass rushers later in this deep, deep draft. So there you go. Cardinals take Kyler Murray, quarterback from Oklahoma. Your thoughts on that? My thoughts are simply a great pick in the sense of you had hit it on the head in regards to what a team is looking for. So you have a young guy in Kingsbury coming in, right? And you have a style of offense that he wants to instill at the NFL level. Now, the trick is always when you got a young gun like him coming into the professional, if he can get buy-in from everyone else, because you figure they took a high pick in Josh Rosen, Rosen last year, and they tried to somewhat put some pieces in place for him to be successful and then put him in pretty early in the season uh, just to let him get growing pains out the way. So now you're talking about another style of quarterback coming in. So now the O-line and others will have to kind of do some things differently than what they were doing just this last year. But in regards to what coach Kingsbury wants to do, I think Kyler Murray is the pick that he's going to go with. Uh, You look at his ability to just get out in space and make plays. That's, that's what they need. And you got a couple guys that may even have a guy like Larry Fitzgerald who I'm not sure has he he hasn't announced his retirement yet, right? No, I don't think he has. I think he will be back next year, but yeah. So they need help. Yeah, so a guy like him may even get you know a few more years 
because now he's able to do some different things. The guy's able to extend the play a little bit. And now, you know, Larry Fitzgerald looks like his young self, you know, five, six years ago. So I, I think it's a good pick in regards to what the coach wants. Uh, but a little twist of fate, though, because we don't know. We think he still has the last call, maybe. But maybe ownership says, you know what? Let's trade down a couple picks and pick up some some other picks, as you're saying, and just fill in some other positions. You just never know. Well, that's what I would do if I were them. Honestly, that's exactly what I would do. I would trade down. But given where they are, given what they need, given the lack of total offensive talent in the first round, they would need to find the right deal to go out there and go out there and get what they want. And by the way, I need to correct myself. I have slipped the tongue. I said Joey Bosa. It's Nick Bosa, his younger brother. I'm not sure why. I, you know, I'm an Ohio State guy. It's probably I've, I've watched numerous snaps with Joey Bosa with career. Got stuck in my head. It's Nick Bosa, the defensive end, who um, we'll see if you take him here. It's your turn. Pick number two, the 49ers. You're on the clock. I'm on the clock. So obviously the Niners, uh, one of the needs is edge rusher. The logical pick would be the one you had trouble with his brother's name and others. Uh, but <laughs> Nick, Nick and Joey. So Nick's the guy. So in terms of what the Niners can do to really upgrade defensively, uh, they lost some key players, uh, with trades and different things last year and the year before an off season. So Kyle Shanahan, I mean, little Shanahan, Kyle has, I think the offense moving in a great direction, they'll get their quarterback back. So I'm picking for sure. Cause it's a toss up between, you know, Nick Bosa and Josh Allen. But I think in terms of, the only question we didn't get to see Big Nick finish out the year, got injured early. So that's the only thing that's up in the air. If there was anything, is can he come back and be the guy he was before he got injured? Most people think that's why he said, you know, I'm going to sit out. Uh, but that would be the only possible caution flag. If anything, uh, you saw Josh Allen play the whole year. But just for the fact that, he comes from a school with similar colors. We're going with Mr. Nick Bosa. All right. So for me, going Nick Bosa is the right thing to do. I think it's a, a best idea for the 49ers, given where they are, unless they trade down as well. Uh, if they're looking for value and looking for offensive talent, because they I mean, but they did. It's what the Rams did with them last year. It was either the run at them. They were able to move away from that 49er pass rush. So the 49ers went out this offseason and really stockpiled that front seven. And Nick Bosa's that that final piece. The only thing that they could have done differently to me is trade down, go out and get some more offensive skill talent. But the first part of this draft is so bereft of true talent. It's like, it's like the Cardinals number one. If you're going to get offensive talent, you need to take it right there with the quarterback or or you trade down, and they'd have to find the right partner for that in the, in the right package. And a few teams right now have that package. The Raiders are a team that would have that package if they wanted to move up and get a defensive guy. But overall, I'm not seeing it. So I agree Nick Bosa is the pick right there. Okay. You ready for me to go to this one? Yes, sir. All right. 
The New York Jets are on the clock. And the New York Jets, to me, they are in a place where, you know, believe it or not, I don't think they're that far away from competing in the, in the AFC East. A few moves here, a few moves there. I still believe, even though the Patriots just won a Super Bowl, we're seeing the end of that dynasty now, little by little, as these guys get older and start retiring. Sooner or later, we'll catch up with them. They need some pass rush help. And there's a guy from Kentucky, you just mentioned him, Josh Allen, who's available out there on the edge. I'm going with him. Josh Allen, to me, they need some pass rush help. They need someone who can who can add some pressure on the other Allen in Buffalo and add some pressure on Brady and for whoever the quarterback is in Miami because we have no idea. That might just be, you know, my grandmother. I don't know at this point. Do you know who's in Miami? <laughs> no. I don't. I don't know. So Josh Allen's my pick from Kentucky. I think it's a no-brainer at that spot. Interesting, interesting. They're big DC. Interesting. Now, I definitely think defense of presence is obvious pick for the Jets, but you sometimes you want to be able to start from the interior and work your way outside. You know, obviously that edge rusher to come off the end and, and sacks and put pressure and hurries and all those things. But I'm I'm thinking I'm gonna go inside and I'm gonna go with the big guy. Uh, Quinnen Williams. Well, but but you know what? It was my pick, so I got to take it. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but you know what? That leaves right. That leaves opened right. at number four. And right. you know what the Raiders need, right? Well, they need a lot of things. Right. So you're up. Is that, is that your guy? Is Quinnen Williams for the Raiders? So that's going to be a tricky situation because maybe the Raiders may move up because they would rather have Josh Allen. So going back to your scenario on on having picks and being able to make a deal, they may be able to package something to move up to that third spot. But nevertheless, if Allen was gone, then I'm definitely going to go number four with Quinnen Williams. Okay, so what do you like about him? Well, I like the fact that he's – you know, coming off one of the highest graded season for a three tech D tackle. And when you're talking about a guy that I'm not going to say he's going to be like our guy inside, but you talk about a guy who can make plays from the inside. This is him. And, and that's what I like about it. And, you know, to me, the Raiders couldn't go if the rate, if well, let, me, let me slow down here, I'm just losing my words. If the Raiders could get Allen or Williams, either one's a fit for them on that defense. They need so much help up front, especially after losing a loss last year, and especially Cleo Mack. So it's it's an either or, really. But, you know, guess what? Trevor Sykema from the Draft Network, he's going to be on our show again later on for Tour Run the League for Tampa Bay. He also agrees with you. He had the Jets taking... Williams, and in that case, you would have taken Josh Allen. So there you go. And Sycamore knows the stuff. I'm just saying. Yeah, well, you know, and that's what's what's so interesting about the draft because depending on who wants something and when they want it, you're going to see a lot of things that happen. But I, I think there's enough in the top 10 picks 
that you can almost just stay the course with the somewhat mock drafts and you're going to be fine if you're those teams drafting in those orders. And but again, yeah, well, that that's our rule here, though, is we were going to stick with no trade. So we're going to try just tr- right. to go down the right. the pike. I mean, we want to trade. Oh, we want to trade so bad. But man, man. Okay, so number five here is the is the Cincinnati Bengals. Correct? No, no. Sorry, I'm not thinking right. This is Tampa Bay. Bucks. I was I've been seeing a lot of mock drafts with the Bengals moving up to five. So and that could happen. You never know. So I got my brain. But it is the Bucks. I am going to take for them a linebacker from LSU, Devin White. I think he makes the most sense. There's a lot of things that make sense for them. But given the fact they just lost Quan Alexander, given the fact they're going to a 3-4, given the fact that they really need some help right there in the core of that linebacking core, I think Devin White from LSU makes a lot of sense, especially with his performance at the Combine. He's got great film and... You know, the, I believe or not, the Bucks have talent. They just needed some coaching to go with it. I think they finally got it. I think they're getting their guys too. Wow, interesting, interesting. Uh, I, I wouldn't argue the fact that they need that help, uh, but as we know, a lot of things start down in the trenches, but it also typically ends up in my world secondary. And so, I'm I'm going to look at something in the secondary. Uh, probably a corner. And so there's a number of corners in there, uh, but I'm going to go with a guy out of George named DeAndre Baker. And you're talking about if you were to take the pick for the Bucks. Yeah, if I was taking the picks, I would go with a DeAndre Baker. Just the fact that, you know, as you said, they're changing schemes. He's a guy who can do multiple things uh, and can fit anywhere. He can cover, he can tackle, he can – you know, play the ball, you know, got good ball skills. So if it was my pick, I'm going with DeAndre Baker at corner. Wow. That one catches me off guard. Okay, so, but here's the official picks thus far. Again, just to recap as we get down to our last pick. Number one, I took Kyler Murray, Oklahoma, for the Cardinals. At number two, Nick Bosa. That's right, Nick, not... Not Joey. Nick Bosa for Ohio State to the 49ers. I took for the Jets. I took Josh Allen, the edge from Kentucky. Um, at the four for the Raiders, Mike took Quinn and Allen. What's wrong with it? I can't talk. <laughs> Quinn and Williams, the interior defensive line. And at number five for the Buccaneers, I took linebacker Devin White. Okay. The last pick of our mock draft, and what we're going to do is we'll go ahead and start getting. I'll get an article out that will chart our mock draft through the, through the podcast, and and uh, hopefully by the time we have the actual rule draft that we'll talk about on, on draft night and our big draft party here at Ramsock Radio, we'll have a full mock draft completed for you. So this number six pick, it's time for the Giants. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, go for it. Who is it? Nah. Now we know the Giants need one thing and one thing only, and that's a signal caller. It's time for my man Eli to move aside. However, it's always great to bring a guy in. A guy like Eli can be a good mentor to this young man that I'm going to choose at the QB position. I think it's an obvious no-brainer. A lot of people think that this young man could be 
considered the number one quarterback in the draft. Uh, but nevertheless, doesn't matter. We're going to get him here. The Giants take Dwayne Haskins. We finally agree on a pick. <laughs> yeah. Why do you take Dwayne? Well, he's he's just a solid all-around player. You know, did just some outstanding uh, things coming out of college last year. And so he's got to obviously improve, you know, some of the pocket presence things. But all quarterbacks that come to the league usually have to do that. But I just think his maturity, his calmness under center, you know, he's able to, you know, make all the throws, great head on his shoulder, great leadership skills. And, you know, I think if he even if he sat the whole year behind Eli, depending on what else happens in the draft and was able to learn this year, you know, I know there's a movement to just get a guy and just put him in there regardless, but. You just never want to put someone in there, and now they're developing other bad habits because your line isn't shored up and other things like that. So uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him sit, you know, maybe half the season or, you know, we'll see. Maybe they have enough to to get him in there. But, yeah, I just like his ability to, to just lead from example, make all the throws, and I think he would be an outstanding uh, quarterback for the future. So the thing about the Giants here, too, we're going to find out a lot about them real quick. They have a lot of needs. They have some needs at defensive line. They have some needs at safety. They have a need at quarterback for the future. They need a fan, They have a need pretty much, well, everywhere except for running back. Saquon Barkley, he's safe, okay? He's the guy that we all know is going to be there for as long as he can be. So if, if the Giants take Haskins here, we know, we can assume Every chance they get for the rest of this draft, they're going to fill in offensive line needs. Okay. If they don't take Haskins here, then I have to assume they're not taking a quarterback this year because the rest of the draft, quarterback wise, it there aren't a whole lot of prospective starters here. There's there just aren't. Okay. If that's the case, they're gonna be looking for safety help, defensive line help, offensive line help to look towards next year to get their guy. That's kind of how I'm viewing it. Am I wrong? Yeah, that that would be interesting. I mean, because we've seen them in these last couple years. You know, obviously they got a great back in in Barkley, no doubt. But they also had opportunity to get one of those top quarterbacks that were considered. So it would be interesting if they, again, didn't take a quarterback. I mean, it only seems logical in the sense that you have a back now you got to get a quarterback to match. And if you got two young guys like that, and as you said, and then shore up your line, I mean, you should have something that the New York City uh, Giant family fans would be proud of. I, I just can't see them passing up another opportunity to get a quality quarterback. You know, as you said, once you get past him, then there's some drop off. But that's the thing is, just reading what, like what Lance Zierlein said this weekend about how after talking to some executives, he thinks that the media is blowing up Haskins a little bit and they wouldn't be surprised if the Giants even took somebody or if some, that it could be Drew Locke. So I'm not sure they said the Giants, but if another team took somebody, it could be Drew Locke over Haskins. And I'm just thinking, man, I've watched every snap of Haskins' career. I know he's raw but the ceiling is so high on this guy. 
You have to take him. The best thing the Giants could do was go get, is go get him, put him behind Eli for a year, and just develop him. I'm serious. He is a fit. The guy just he will do well in New York City. I'm saying this flat out. He will do well in there. He's poised. He doesn't freak out when things don't go his way. He's intelligent. He reads defense as well. He knows when to dump the ball off. He did a lot. Okay, part of the Ohio State offense was short passing and just relying on your offense, relying on your speedsters. And then, you know, what people don't understand about him is he's a top like seven or eight passer according to pro football focus with his deep passing. So he is the total package if you develop him. There's no quarterback with a higher upside in this draft. There just isn't. So take him and go develop him. Yeah, I totally agree. And but we've seen the Giants do some things that you kind of just shake your head a little bit and go, okay, I, I guess there's a plan. So yeah, it'll be interesting if you would seem to pass up what would be an eventual gold mine. I mean, nothing is always uh it could pan out, may not pan out, but this just seems as a no-brainer as as much as it comes. And it just, I don't see them taking someone else. You know, Drew Locke, you know, I mean, he's he's a decent quarterback. And, you know, obviously, if they want maybe another Manning tight, then they may pick him. But it'll be interesting. <laughs> but this is how GMs and front office people, they either get more stripes or they lose their job because of the draft. So we, we've seen it happen. And, you know, I, I think of that. The quarterback uh, now for Texas, you know, he he got overlooked, but look what he's done and and done some great things. So this quarterback thing is never a ideal science. We've seen the best one that that actually became good. We've seen guys that came out of nowhere, Drew Brees, and so it all depends on who has the heart to stick to whatever plan they have come draft time. I guess we'll find out. All right, folks, on to some Rams stuff. We, we have not forgotten we're a Rams podcast, I promise. We just got the, the mock draft out of the way. And also, if you want to learn more about Rams history with a bit of personal touch, check out Jim Hawk's Hollywood Teen Great Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out some story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norman Van Brocklin. Elroy, Crazy Search, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawks Book online at HollywoodSteam.com and on Twitter at HollywoodSteam. It's available both in hardback and electronic form at Amazon Barnes & Noble. And folks, the paperback book comes out on September 6th. It's creeping up. It's creeping up. All proceeds go to Homeboy Industries. It's a wonderful chari- charity in the L.A. area that helps people get out of the gang life and become productive members of society. It's a great Great opportunity to give while reading some some really neat Rams history. Check it out. Hollywood scene grit and glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. Oh, you know you know what, Mike? I just got my copies of the 1951 book that the PFRA is putting out. I don't know if I told you. They're putting out a, a book on the 1951 Rams, and I'm one of their editors. I got my parts to edit, nice. and I'm telling you, man, it's looking pretty good. There's a lot of good information. I keep, that book's coming out. It's a while, in 2021. It's just in time for the anniversary, uh, the 70th anniversary of the 51 team. So 
folks, there is some good Rams history coming out down the line. I know you've heard me mention the one, the book I've been working on. They're, they're, man, I'm telling you, as time goes on, you're going to see more and more people taking an interest in the history of this franchise. And it's about time, by the way. There's not enough books out there. There's not enough work out there about this team and what it's done. Okay, so moving on. Well, you know, we we get to have one of these discussions once every yeah, few months. It's off-season, and, well, Mike, the New York Jets put out their uniforms this week, another Nike uniform. How do you feel about it? Well, it's interesting that it's Nike with Mr. Avenatti. Aven- Avenatti, right? Is that the, the lawyer who's putting out some dirt on Nike and paying people under the table? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean the guy who hates Trump so much, Michael Avenatti? Yeah, that guy. That guy. <laughs> so- the, the creepy porn lawyer is what's his name from Fox called him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. They're so- all creepy at this point, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're all creepy, right? So, yeah, it's interesting that uh, Nike is coming out, but Nike does her thing, you know, highly respected in the sporting world and merchandising and just Nike. I mean, you almost feel like you can't go wrong, but uh, it'll be interesting. You know, that's the whole thing now is coming up with another uniform, another color, another style. So it it's interesting in that, you know, some things, though they're changing and becoming new, that still doesn't do too much to help a team win or lose. You know, I got to tell you, I'm, you were very nice about it. I'm not a real fan of, I'm just not, I haven't been for a long time. I I just can't, you know, right. I mean, I thought they did okay with the Detroit Jersey, but man, the Tampa Bay one looks horrible. The Browns one is, is abomination. The Jets one, I was probably harder on it when it came out, but I just I'm of the opinion that certain franchises have uniforms you don't mess with. Yeah, yeah. And the Rams are gonna do it anyways, because the Rams are dead set in doing it. But the throwback uniform they wore in the Super Bowl, it's already just wonderful. You don't need to do anything with it but they're going to do it. And that's a bummer to me. Like, what are you really trying to accomplish with this? That's what I'm trying to understand. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Now there's this idea that everything needs to change every single year. And a lot of that is coming from the college landscape in that you see all these teams roll out another helmet. They roll out another Jersey and especially Nike being in Oregon, uh, both those schools, but especially the Ducks, man, they they just have a ton of uniforms. I think it seems like they wear a new one each week. So it's this idea that that attracts players, quality players. Ooh, this is all. But it's kind of, again, I mean, how many of those new uniforms, new helmets, new color schemes, how many of those are really trans- translating into actual wins on the field? I don't know. So unless it's just a, a marketing, merchandising situation, it's just, I don't want to say it's a waste of time, but as you said, some uniforms just need to be 
those uniforms. Well, they they matter though. They are a, they are a part of your team's identity. And you're going to go out there and you're going to buy that team's merchandise and you're going to rep that. That's what fans do. Okay. And so you need to get it right. And quite frankly, no one wants to be the embarrassing team in the field with their uniform. Nobody wants the Browns uniforms are awful, man. They are awful. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniforms, awful uniforms. But they did get them right. Like I mentioned Detroit. Detroit, what they did with their revamp a couple years ago, they actually got rid of all the black that was in it. It, it looks a lot cleaner. So it was a good job. It, it's a real, In Detroit, they their uniforms at one point got pretty stinking ugly. I just don't – man, don't the Cleveland uniform. Ugh. It, it left a bad taste in my mouth that I'm wondering how bad can this be. The Jaguars uniforms, horrible, by the way. Horrible. <laughs> no, like why those? would you do that thing where you put like half your helmet one color, half your other helmet the other color, and you're not going side to side, you're going front to back? <laughs> why would you do that? That's atrocious. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's again, I don't I don't get the idea except that change for change sake, I guess. So maybe that's the formula going forward. I just don't see how that goes because ultimately, if you're winning games people are going to go buy the merchandise. But again, getting back to just the idea of the draft in itself, it almost seems like that's why we see some of these picks. You go, huh? Like, why would you do that? And it's because maybe they're thinking of more about putting people in the seats than actual need on the field. So, yeah, this whole phenomenon between the two is interesting. Well, you kind of lost me. Are you, are you comparing, like, drafting a player – with drafting a uniform or yeah well you know sometimes we look at the draft and you go why'd they pick that guy oh he's gonna be you know he he had a lot of trouble in college or whatever oh but he he's uh flamboyant or different things where you know they figure people will come out and see him as opposed to well let's win more games and people come out and see that so that's kind of what i'm alluding to but you know the whole uniform thing i don't know how that really is getting more people to come. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's about that. I think it's about making sure that your, your team's identity is right. And also it means you do want to sell, you want to sell jerseys, right? You do want to sell stuff. And I can tell you flat out that once the team moved, I stopped buying anything that didn't have the throwback colors on them. And the reason why is I didn't want the, the old St. Louis colors, no offense to St. Louis, but because I knew they they weren't going to have them anymore. And I'm not sold on the Rams just using the blue and white, but the one thing I do know that will always be there is the throwback blue and yellow. So that's what I buy. Does that make sense? And I'm not going to buy a whole lot until I know where these colors are. And, and to be honest, if they botch it up, I'm just going to keep buying throwback and not buying the new stuff. I'm not going to buy new jerseys. Because I don't want to be embarrassed by how bad I look at them, you know? You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So what is it you don't like about and, the Jets jerseys? Well, you know, well, let me back up one, because I also do want to note the Jaguars ones were so bad they had to fix them again. Okay? And they, so they look okay now. The Titans changed theirs last year, and I do think they're not too shabby. They're not too bad. They're a little cleaner. They look a little 
you know, they look a little better. They got rid of the the white helmets for the navy blue helmets, and the um, the uniforms look a little cleaner. The Jets ones, what I didn't like about it was they. Well, here's my question. I guess before I even answer it, I need to ask you: Do you feel that the old Jets ones, the one they've worn for the last twenty years, and the one they basically wore during Super Bowl three era, okay, those are very close. Do you feel like those uniforms? The Je- those Jets uniforms are legacy uniforms. You know what I mean by legacy uniforms, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like those are legacy uniforms? I do. Okay. So if you feel like they're legacy uniforms, then why do you get rid of them? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe to figure out that we're the new Jets. We're playing in this new era and we're going to go to something different. I don't know why teams want to get away from their history, especially if it's a story history, you know, with uh, Joe Willie Namath and all the great things that they were able to do during those years. Uh, and, and I get it. You don't want to live in the past, but there's nothing wrong with taking the past, bringing it forward and then, you know, building on it. So, yeah. Well, so that's where I'm at. If I consider the, the Jets uniforms to be, a legacy uniform, I do one of two things. I do what they did, but make sure that legacy uniform is worn for throwback games. Okay? Or I just keep the old uniform. Well, why change it? Like the Pittsburgh uniform has been the same for 50, 60 years, right? The Green Bay Packers uniforms have been pretty much the same for 50, 60 years. The Bears uniforms, with the exception of the orange alternate, has been the same. For, I mean, I consider these franchises to have legacy uniforms. You just don't mess with them. And so when now, now bouncing back to the Rams, I believe that the St. Louis Rams, the Rose and Blooms and so on and so forth, made a Georgia, Georgia Frontier made a huge mistake when she changed the colors of the team the year after they won a Super Bowl and made it those darker, darker colors. Because to me, I know, look, those aren't colors you normally are going to wear out in public. Okay, I'm sorry. You're just not going to. Those aren't, those are <laughs> bright. They're boy, They're not fashion. <laughs> Is there, it would be a fashion faux pas, right, to go out there and wear those. But when you're going to a game or when you're repping your team, that throwback Rams color, is is it pops and it's beautiful. Okay? Right. And it, and it allows, it. yeah, yeah. I don't, you know, again, all change is not always excellent. But I guess it's, again, change for change's sake is maybe the mentality that, that these teams and organizations are going to and or because there's so much marketing involved, you have these people coming out of college with the new ideas that this is where the marketing matrix is telling us this is how people are thinking. This is what they like. And then they take the matrix and then make a uniform to fit that. And you go, okay, that doesn't make sense. But for whoever's doing the marketing for these companies and organizations, that's probably where a lot of this is coming from. And, you know, they sit down in meeting rooms and they punch out numbers and they go, hey, if we sold this kind of jersey, we would be able to attract this population of people and the millennials or the whoever we are now. I don't know what category I fall into, but, uh, it comes down to all these numbers from the boardroom and sometimes they just need to come down on the street level and just ask some people and do some real surveys. Yeah. But here's a problem with this. 
is they aren't really doing that to a degree. I get the sense they're listening to the fans enough to know they're going to go with blue and gold. They mean the blue and yellow. I get the sense they've done that. Okay. But to me, the answer is you don't redo it with those colors. You just tighten them a little bit. For example, the 70s, 80s road uniforms. Right now, I mean, you wore it, you know. They probably wouldn't work as they are. You probably want to make them a little tighter. You know, a little, spiff them off a little. You know, get what I'm saying? Do do that make sense? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and that's that's what you do. Yeah, you probably want to bring bring the horns in a little bit. Yeah, if you you just kind of make some subtle changes and see how that goes. And then if you need to make a few more subtle changes, see how that goes. But yeah, when you kind of doing this mass changing of uniform, that's where it just kind of gets a little overboard. Yeah. Well, because this is what's going to happen. If the Rams go out there and they make these uniforms, like make this, they what the Jets did, I actually, my biggest problem with the Jets uniform is they act, to me, they look like they're the Saskatchewan Rough Riders now. Honestly, if you want to do the Kelly Green, then try and work it back with how how those uniforms were in the 80s. Just make them a modern update of those if you want to go that route. Instead, now you look, you look like a Canadian football league team. <laughs> and that's what I'm worried they're going to do with the Rams. Right. You don't even do that. Right. That's what I'm worried about. Nike does not do this right, man. Nike's, Nike's successor at these uniforms is like middle of the road. They should, being who Nike is, they should be swinging this stuff out of the park. They're freaking Nike, man. Come on. Get this stuff right. But they don't. They only get it right about half the time. So the reality for the Rams, they can't swing a miss on this. Because let's be honest, you got too many guys like, for example, Joe Verdugo out there with Throwback Joes and Zorro, I think Zorro Rivera, and many other people out there who will just sell this stuff. You get what I'm saying? They're going to be able to, some people call it, how do I say it right? Because I'm not saying that's what they are. But people are going to sell basically non-licensed stuff. Right. You get what I'm saying? Right. And they'll just keep wearing that. They'll keep buying the offhand throwback stuff. And they won't even buy it from the Rams anymore. They'll just go buy it off on their own because the Rams didn't do their due diligence to listen to them to begin with. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, again, you're talking about now you have another competing component, Underworld. Uh, the guys, when you're driving up to the stadium, hey, I got a jersey, $25. Uh, yeah, let me get one of those. And so, yeah, it it it's a lot of money to be made across the board. And if you're trying to be an organization, obviously you want to get the biggest slice of the pie. There's always going to be knockoffs and there's always going to be someone, you know, doing those things and selling something, you know, on the street corners as you're coming and going from games. But you want to get the lion's share sold from your own, you know, stores at the stadium or, you know, in the different stores and athletic stores across the nation. So yeah, they definitely have to get it, get it right in that sense. And, you know, sometimes I would think they're able to look at their already numbers and be able to say, Hey, this is Jersey that sold well, instead of reinventing a wheel, just stick with something that's already worked. I'm, I'm totally fine with them. Fine tuning the uniforms, modernize them a little bit, but don't throw the baby out of the bathwater. I think that's the second time this podcast we've mentioned bathwater. Yeah, bathwater. It's a little right? creepy. Okay, <laughs> but I'm serious. Don't do not do that. You already have the right mix. And LA fans are fickle. They will just go buy somewhere else. They won't buy from you. 
They'll, they'll go buy from those Jersey dudes in China. You think they won't? They already do it. I know. I'm in a lot of these Rams groups. Okay. They do it. So what, you, what you're talking about too, Derek, is if you keep changing the uniform so much, then eventually you're going to have to change the horns, right? I think they tested that. That's why they went to these white horns. I think that's what they're testing with it. And what I think they should do is go back to the traditional blue and yellow and then go back to the blue and white, the 60s blue and white for the for the alternate, for throwbacks. Throwback, right. And there you go. It's such an easy, no-brainer solution. Tweak them up, modernize them a bit. You'll, you'll sell, trust me, you'll sell the jerseys. If you do them things right, you'll sell a ton. You'll, I will be buying them. I will be all over buying them. But if you mess this up, I won't buy them. I won't buy the shirts. I won't buy the hats. I won't buy any of that. And the reason why is because I want to look right. I give a crap. I care about my team's colors. I've been I've been following this team for too long for me to buy garbage. And really, honestly, if they botch it, it's because they didn't listen to the fans. And that is the number one reason why I wouldn't buy. Because that would be evidence to me the team did not actually listen to the fans' feedback. Right. And, and that's where... You can just, you know, have these ongoing issues and situations because now with the social media, things can take off and mushroom very quickly. So if you get something for, good thing. If you get something against, uh-oh, we made a mistake. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Definitely. Definitely. All right. So, folks, we are running out of time. I can't believe this turned into a pre. I thought this would be a, a five, ten minute discussion and we're still going. So hopefully this time next year, when the Rams unveil these things, we're happy and it's a wonderful podcast and, you know, there's joy in the streets, hopefully. But a couple more notes before we head out of here. Sean McVay was robbed this week. Pretty horrible to hear. Not happy about that. Come on, people. Really, seriously. Um, here's what I want to ask you about. C.J. Anderson, the Lions signed him $1.5 million for one year. The Rams have about $4 million-ish in caps is available to them. The question I have for you, does this really mean the end? Because obviously they could afford it. Does this mean the end they made the decision they didn't want Anderson back? Uh, it looks that way. I mean, because they could have done that deal themselves or maybe CJ was like, didn't want to wait and he felt like, I better grab this offer while it's on the table. Oh yeah, so $1.5 million, $200,000 signing bonus, a so $1.7 total. I would have thought that probably if the Rams offered him something similar to that, he would have signed it. So I think that uh, to me, having CJ Anderson at that rate is a pretty solid deal. I, I think so. So I'm a little surprised that uh, the Rams let it happen. But to me, it's saying, you know what? We, we don't want you. Uh, that's how I took it. Yeah. I mean, maybe they brought him in. He was a hired gun and did well for what they needed at the time or what we needed. Uh, we, as though we're in the locker room with them, but yeah. It just is interesting to see. And again, they're doing their evaluations on uh, going forward, and maybe they just felt CJ was a guy who could fill in the gaps, not someone who could actually carry the torch if really needed to for a longer period of time in the future. Okay, final news. Orlando Pace and Jackie Slater will be announcing the Rams picks on day two of the draft. I'm gonna. I, I just want to bring it up because I'm gonna bug you about Jackie getting him on the show, man. Come on. Yeah, I'm on it. You know they're doing some stream. I know we're gonna get him. We're gonna get him. We gotta get Jackie in here. 
We got to get him in here. Man, Jackie Slater, talk with him. The years of Rams football in his brain, you got to talk with Jackie Slater. That's that's a big priority, I think, for our staff this year is to get get Jackie on on our show and talk some Rams with him. Okay, folks, reach out to us at RamsTalk1945 at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453 if you would like to sponsor us. So it would be a great opportunity for both us and you. Um, we would love to work with you to, well, to make all of our products a little better. Okay. Also, don't follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paul. You can find Mike at OneDuke23. Don't forget us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, pretty much all those plays. We're also now on Himalaya. I kid you not. What the heck is Himalaya? I, it's, it's an app, guys. It's a podcast app. We're everywhere. So, also, iebeatradio.com, they play our shows as well. Mike, any last thoughts before we roll on out of here? I think last thoughts are, I can't wait for the draft. It's only a couple weeks away. Only. All right, folks. For Mike, this is Derek Apollo. Peace out. We'll talk to you midweek. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.